Hello and welcome to the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm Henry in Squamish and we are joined this week by the Bellingham contingent of Dario and Kaz. And this week we are talking, well, the bicycle industry is all about cycling, but so much of it is about cyclical trends and fashion. So we thought we'd go over some of the ones that stuck around, some of the ones that didn't, and some of the ones that deserve to die a death. There's so many tech trends that go on and we probably will touch on that. You know, we might talk about e-bikes or 29ers and what on earth happened to them. Um, but largely, we're going to talk about the fashion trends and some of the faux pas we've made along the way. Kaz, I saw you walking around in the Dog the Bounty Hunter edition Oakley's only one. You're a pretty fashionable guy. Oh, so fashionable. Yeah, the best. Just <laughs> I read the fashion magazines every day. Just keep bailiffs up the in the morning, mountain bikes in the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Love love fashion. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how considered are you in your fashion in terms of like, because even if... So I would say that I actually do put effort into looking non-fashionable in terms of I just want to wear black stuff, which is a uniform in itself, you know? Yeah, I'd say that. I I mean, I like to be more neutral. Like I'm not out there in like fancy pajama pants, but I have a soft spot for goofy things, things that look like kind of strange, but I don't think I don't wear them, but I like that they exist. Yes, I like that they exist. I wear them. I was going to say, I think Darrow's stylish. I think You call it eclectic. I I don't know if I'm stylish. I think it is stylish. I think it's gone through... It's gone through eclectic and now it works. Mm, thank yeah, you. It works. I've broken out to the other side. Because you got I, the shorts on that say you give a fuck. That's right. I'm I've got the same shorts. Uh, Patagonia baggies right We really now, care, Darius. the peak of style. Yeah. I mean, you have a shirt with buttons on it. That's pretty that's fashionable. That's true. I'm yeah. wearing a, a shirt with buttons on it. Yeah. But not like a poplin shirt. It's, a, it's a, just a nice... It's a nice shirt. shirt. I mean, you just know the word poplin. That's pretty fashionable. That's true. Yeah, it's I dressed up for the occasion. Stretch. <laughs> I, I care about clothing. I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. I think mountain biking clothing is generally pretty bland and or too like, uh, let's call it like sports core mm. for its own good. I think polyester is the death of joy. It smells bad. But do you not think that mountain bike clothing as well? I mean, I think it's got better. I think it sounds stupid. I've, I've spoken about this before to the point where I'm almost kind of embarrassed to mention it. But it took us a long time to get to trousers. Yeah, I don't understand how it didn't I don't how understand how it took so long. <laughs> no. And also, like, you look at road cycling clothing, which is obviously very different, but it's so functional. And This is true. Except the chamois. Is, well, the cham- well, they have a lower front end, you know? This and is true. That yeah, makes a difference true. to me, you know? Really sitting on the balls. Oh, right. <laughs> right on everything. But um, they're so functional. And, like, even... It sounds silly. But do you not be really good at mountain biking? <laughs> mm. <laughs> it sounds silly because it sounds so goofy. But you know what's really functional? Arm warmers. But we would never need oh, a million years. Right. No, no, because, no. because they, they're goofy as hell. And we're so obsessed with looking... We don't need arm warmers. Why do you just roll your sleeves up? Right. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, oh, yeah, they didn't roll that well. Yeah, they're different. Cast up, it's not apples <laughs> apples. But um, I've always the reason for arm warmers is like they're more aerodynamic. No, because wear... you can take them off. But you can take off sleeves. You just roll you them up. <laughs> <You can't... laughs> just ripping your sleeves off. Well, I've, good. I've been at parties where that happens. You ever been <laughs> that game? There's just that one guy that wants to rip your sleeves off. Yeah, there's always that. Yeah. 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 And then he realizes it's harder than it seems yeah. like it was going to be. And then he's sitting there tugging on your shirt for a while. Also, yeah. it's just like, you know, it's 2023. If you want to get a man naked, just lean into just it, buddy. Just ask. Just yeah. ask, for goodness sake. I, I will like, oblige. The people that like rip people's shirt buttons off. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like... Give it a rest. Anyway, perfectly good shirt. Perfectly good shirt. So you're, you're a proponent no, my, of arm warmers. No, I'm not a proponent. I'm a proponent of the functionality and how they've just like road cycling. You can carry shit in it. It's comfortable. It's made mountain biking until a couple of years ago. You basically just dressed like Fred Durst. That's true. It's coming back <laughs> though. Have you seen the new cargo shorts oh, and pants mate, that are coming back? Yeah, I have a pair of 
Troy Lee pant short both yeah. that are like they have like a 10 by 10 inch cargo pocket on the side they'll be on a checkout article at some point wow. soon but they're like pure cargo pant aesthetic yeah you could carry like your i don't even know what you carry it's so much you could carry like 12 cliff bars in each one of those or like a seven inch record yeah a cd <laughs> like, maybe even a cd yeah and a walkman you can carry car- <laughs> um i mean yeah i mean that, that's one side i think i think fashion has got better man but sorry clothing's got better it's definitely got more functional but it's still the the fashion when it comes and goes hey yeah and i think there's like it's like you and i we both like to be more normal looking it's almost hard to be it's almost hard to be normal looking though because you have Why to are you buy laughing? <laughs> you're looking, i just like the, the i'm exempt to that exempt. Exempt. <laughs> well, we're gonna go to you we're gonna go because you're gonna exp- you're gonna explain your fashion to us mm. but mm. for now i think like henry if you and i were to walk in a bike shop and try to try to get some normal riding pants and a jersey sometimes that's challenging because they look there's a lot of stuff that looks strange and you don't understand why kind you, of, can, you can easily get like a pair of black pants and like a black yeah but a lot of them still taper jersey. like really far at the bottom that sometimes is true they're hard to get on and off like how do companies yeah, make pants mad. that you can't get on and off no and i like i know people who like cannot buy bike pants because they're too tight to get over their feet yeah like i don't I have normal size feet and there's still certain companies out there that you try to put them on they forgot to make the cuff stretchy because did right. you see the email that i copied you in the other day talking to a clothing brand because they want to send some clothes in for review. And I was like, and they're probably listening. I think they'll find it funny. Although you might be tempted to make me look like a fruit salad, just, it's just not going to track yeah. with the pink bike audience or with, with me personally. Yeah. And there's, I mean, that kind of goes like with how trends go. Do you remember the year that everything was Enduro Blue? Oh, it was like when, that oh, yeah. Blue. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that was like, that was the thing. And you know, once people see it catch on, like any trend, everybody else hops on the bandwagon and then there's right. your year of blue and there's your year of, you know, flannel shirt year. We did. There's a year where every company decided to come out with like a thick flannel shirt, which it's is like no supposedly one, performative. Yeah, somehow. and, and yeah. you can't ride in a flannel like a thick, heavy button-up shirt yeah, unless you're living. Right now, I can't imagine no. pedaling in that. So yeah, it's funny to see the trends. Like I think the things that work and that you know functional, they tend to stick with it. But then yeah. we've seen some weird things. I think currently it's earth tones, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah like, I like I like a good earth tone. I was gonna say you are the Italian fashionista. Um, what brands are doing it best right now in terms of fashion Um, this is a big question I can't believe I just said that I I felt weird saying it what brands are doing it best right now in terms of fashion Goodwill I like Goodwill I'm yeah I'm I'm big on like non-cycling clothing like Mm. the past two days we've been filming and wearing Hanes cotton t-shirts I know that's that I die. I agree but and I wear cotton t-shirts riding as well see I disagree people will I can't I can't wear a cotton t-shirt it feels so gross. Cotton I mean, kills. I can't obviously like I'm just. See, I kind of like feeling the like like I'm a it doesn't swamp feel man. Gross. It makes me. It's too like sticky. It makes you feel like a little sweaty kid. I don't it's know. Yeah, I'm a swamp man. I'm just. I'm just. I'm, <laughs> I'm embodying that. If you have anything like you know backpack on horrible. If it goes, if it, the temperature drops horrible. I was yeah. wearing a backpack, but yeah, I saw that your vest. Was it was pretty soggy. Enduro vest. Yeah, yeah I was sogged up, but yeah. I felt I feel good. <laughs> sogged up with Dario, but I'm wearing like nice ex officio underwear and light shorts so but let's talk about breathable where it matters what brands are doing it i think uh i'm gonna i'm gonna give to my great surprise rafa gets a shout out for having like cool but not like too ridiculous stuff like that brain dead collection they did was pretty ridiculous but it's interesting that they're like branching out like that yeah. and it's not but, the only thing they make i think it's fine that's you can right. have your wild style but if you have to have your normal yeah stuff uh similar level of surprise i think pit vipers pants are kind of interesting they're ridiculous but i have a pair of those like green but, nightmare but, ones and you're like yeah cool like they're unique 
The problem with Pit Viper... There's is, a lot of problems. Well, But they're just, pretty fun. It's just like... So wearing them somewhat ironically is fun. But also... It basically... It just screams, I give a massive fuck to me. Like, I give... So, I've, I've gone th- through the initial ceiling of caring. To yeah. The point where I care so much. I need everyone to know that I don't care. And that's oh, slightly sure, exhausting. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, that's fair. Um, I think that's true. It'd be like wearing a talking heads t-shirt in a, in a, in a mountain biking video. Oh, <laughs> you bastard! Oh, did that? Oh, that happened to you, didn't it? Oh, was that's only five a, days that's ago. A a brain like a t-shirt. A brain that's a perfectly like a fine stick. functional t-shirt. <laughs> happened to be at the top of the stack. There was no consider. I will actually truth. There was no consideration in that. There was a consideration. There, there are always considerations one makes. To how got, one um, looks. There's a really great Irish band called The Cause. I can't finish. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just the uh, cause that runaway tour was was magnificent. <laughs> we can't we can't deviate into music talk. Yeah, not, yeah, we, music we will, we're going to get into music talk. There will be official deviance into music talk <laughs> later. So, um, you know, we j- talking about you know, I think Pit Viper. You know, they've got their own angle. They're doing their own thing. Fair play to them. Whatever works. I do think it's interesting because some people do though go so far into trying to not look like they have a mountain biker's uniform. That they create a mountain biker's uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, like wearing the like matching set is a gross look, in my opinion. It's you like have to too be much. Pretty bloody good. Yeah, you're right. You like like good. specialized came out with that Loic Bruni butter collection. That's like <laughs> yeah. an entire head to toe helmet to socks kit of like light yellow. Like ride it ride in it once and it looks like shit kit. Yeah. I'm like, who, like did they sell two of those? It's so good. Like, they sent me that. They like, sent it to me yeah, and I can't I can't wear it because I can't show up wearing like a light butter colored outfit. We in live the mud. in a town made of mud. Yeah, but like, I gave it to my buddy <laughs> and yeah. you know, my buddy's like he's a hard rider, but definitely like he's a dad with two kids. He's like in his fifties and it's the best because he wears it like oh no, way. it's just like it's so the opposite of the person they meant to wear it. And having him wear it is great because he loves it. It's comfy, like it's super functional. It's great, but kit. then yeah. the color and the whole thing, it's not for yeah, anyone. That's but funny yeah. though, because you know, there are two types of people in this world. There are two the type of person that will get a matching tracksuit and go to great pains to never wear both items at the same time. And mm. there are some people that won't always wear them at the same time. Right. And, you know, I mean, it, but, I mean, we've talked about it before, but I think that mountain biking a lot of it is dress up for adults. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And um, if, if that's what makes you happy, then, then good yeah. for you. you I know? mean, there's like planning to be argued for the function of clothing, mm. but I think most of it comes <laughs> down. <laughs> clothing is most, is, I mean, it's kind of important in some cases. It it's, is. It's required yeah. in a lot I, of scenarios. Like the number of times I think I'd be like happy mountain biking fully naked or like, here and there. Yeah, it's pretty slim. But not like most days. Here's a question. Like I buzzed my butt on my tire today and that would have yeah, hurt so much more if I wasn't wearing any clothes. Those sharp rocks could so be some... You're at the top of Hardline. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Red Bull Hardline? This is inconceivable. Red Bull Hardline. Okay. And you've got to try and ride it. Actually, maybe not start, let's say something a little bit easier like Valdesol. No, let's do Hardline. Okay. Yeah. Let's say Hardline. Let's okay. dive in the deep end here. So you can either do it on the latest bike with like you know your dream downhill bike set up perfectly for you but completely naked you get shoes but nothing else shoes and socks and nothing else no helmet whoa no gloves okay. or anything <laughs> or you get all the protection you want but you've got to do it on the um like a 25 year old kona that old i'm gonna go the kona just because i need a helmet like i'm gonna crash for sure wait wait wait, so, wait. The, the former one there's no helmet no helmet Ah, yeah. dude. I need a helmet because I'm going to crash. I can't okay, do you can have like a crash. helmet, but it's not within the right sport. It's like a kayaking helmet. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the kayaking helmet. I think. Yeah, I still need a yeah. helmet. V10 and kayaking helmet. Yeah. Like per, like perfect bike. 
Perfect. Like bike. beyond my capability to set it up even. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's, it's some sort of divine provenance. Yeah. It's like. Ideal. It might curry me to success. <laughs> it might just do that. I think if I like commit every fiber of my being to it, I could probably ride. No, I don't think that's true. Uh, I, I can't ride. It's too. It's. I can't Those ride. Those jumps are so big. That big. road gap is like sixty feet. I tell you what, let's give us a pause <sighs> because this is going to be a really good brain equation for people to try and solve as they don't listen to this advert that we're going to put on next. Okay, so we're back. You've done something at home. You've done something in here. Okay, let's take it down because the the gaps are so big, right? Yeah, you would die. Yes. Let's talk Lords World Cup track. All the stuff we're riding today, we were at some technical uh, mountain biking. Yeah, I'll just try to make you with a kayak helmet. Can no I problem. follow someone? No kayak helmet on the hard line thing? today, though. Oh, no helmet? And you have got the KISS system from... Uh, this keeps getting more <laughs> complicated. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many back- So many caveats. <laughs> so, Kaz, we were riding... Um, we're talking about fashion and trends, although in, in, in mountain biking, you know, it feels like the certain elements getting more settled. I'm a bit of a bit of a divergence here, but I thought it'd be cool just to, to mm. crack on and talk about it. We've got a bike at the moment that I'm actually reviewing, and it's that um, Kiss. Ooh. Can I add one more brand that's doing it right, please? Mons Royale. Do you think? Mm-hmm. I think with Mons I like Royale, the tie dye stuff. I don't like it just because it's like we get it. You went to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. give it a break. But that's like, like iLab. Uh, They're like the most extreme. Like iLab, I quite like iLab. I don't like what? it. The, the, the logo's upside down. And it it's upside me. down. Yeah. It says iLab. It's yeah. like it's like supreme. I, I honestly, I maybe because to be fair, full disclosure, I have ridden those guys. I've like sure, I knew them before. They're a mountain biking brand. Oh, okay, that probably is maybe. Yeah, they're the, right. they're the boys back home or yeah, whatever. Well, they, they, used, they used to sponsor um, Polygon when I worked for them. Mm, so they yeah. were always just like the really friendly guys that came on the pit. So I kind of like actually reviewed some of their um, trousers or had them for a checkout. And they're actually pretty good. Yeah, not I don't believe enough, it. Um, but the functionally, they're, they're actually pretty good. And they've also got a Velcro fly, which I hate. Mm, yeah, no. Because okay. it will always lose its, it lose its right. grip. But um, no, as, as a brand, I don't mind them. But I, I think the Montreal thing... Oh, it just, just works really well. Like but Merino it, is the best fabric. I think I'm, if, I'm, wool makes me itchy. I can't wear it, mm. even the fancy stuff. So that's why I'm a polyester guy. Oh, even so though I'm a wool guy, I would do it. But every every single I wear like, like a like a rag wool shirt. If someone made one, oh, I get so itchy. I can't handle. I try sensitive, delicate skin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I need my polyester. Mm. Um, so we're talking about the canyon with the kids. Oh, we're talking about the canyon with the kids. Yeah. The kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it's actually meant to be like somewhat like on a matapec the canyon. Uh, yeah, that's how it's supposed to pronounce it. <laughs> but it's like kiss. It's like kiss. Kiss. Like, can you kiss? Mm. Yeah. So um, this system basically is not so much a steering damper. So if, if we think about how we suspend things, so we think of a spring and we think of a damper. Best best idea is maybe think about it in a fork. Um, this is a sprung element. Always trying to brick straight on your bars, but it's not necessarily a damped sprung element. No. It it, is, there's no damping at all. There's no damping. So I've been riding this a fair bit. You um, got on it today. Um, apparently it was my fault that you guys didn't bring your bikes to Squamish and you're like Henry why are your bikes all UK brakes Henry why haven't you fixed this in time and I'm like Henry why have you disassembled all six bicycles (laughs) in the pink bike office (laughs) basically I've had a bit of a time of it and everything I've touched is broken the like unbuilding therapy is really strong you're like nothing like being in the workshop and you're just slowly taking apart all the bikes yeah deconstruction therapy unpleasant experience and I, I know I've got so much work to do, so I am unproductive and I'm just there, like, just just, just bitter, you know? <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I've been riding this bike quite a bit. Kaz, you got a, uh, swung a leg over it today. Um, 
I've got my impressions about it. You know, obviously this might be a trend. Maybe this is the start of a really big trend in cycling. Mm. Maybe not. What were your impressions of the system? I'll be doing a video at some point, which yeah. will probably be conflated and slightly, um, you know, probably a bit silly, but I'll try and make it good. Yeah, I don't think, I don't see it as a trend, but I do think there's enough, there's enough to it that's worth investigating more, but I don't think right now it's ready for like mass production, consumer appeal, even though it is mass production, obviously. You can go buy this off the shelf. Yeah. But like riding it, the number of times where I thought it was behaving in a way that I didn't like versus a way, versus the times that it did something positive, uh, there was more negatives than than positives to me. Like, yes, I mean, I, I think you. I mean, I think it really is. You said you didn't like it climbing, right? I didn't. No, I loved it climbing because you didn't have to. It basically stabilizes on the front wheel. Yeah, but then we got into this like techie section later on in the trail, so that like this climb had like a sequential, like a hard left turn and then a hard right turn, and it felt like it was fighting me because you were. I was already turning hard left, and I had to turn back hard right, and I noticed that it was like it was more work. It just felt strange. Like yeah. you could get used to the whole system, but it doesn't seem like why do I need to get used to it was the question I kept coming up with. Did you try taking your hands off the handlebars along the road? Yeah, and that's strange too. You have it's to be horrible. going like pretty quick to be yeah. able to go no hands. Otherwise, it does want to kind of like... Going slow, you have to like whip it back and forth. Yeah. I was watching Kaz do that like turn to turn thing and you can see the bars like like whipping through the center point because they're like there's a spring pulling them. So I think like that is the weird thing is you're hitting this zero... And then instantly going back into a spring force. Yeah. And there were a couple of times where I just tell Dario, like, it's doing it, you know, like he was behind me. So <laughs> yeah. it would be like, that was a part where it was bad. And when it was good, it was like not as much of a like eureka moment. It was like, I could feel it, especially in like more chunky bits where the trail is just a lot of kind of like choppy steps. And that's where you can feel it, it feels pretty stable. It's almost like. Did it feel good in that section? Like, I like went a bit ahead and there were like nice dirt turns sequentially that were like smooth. There, like, it's not as much the turning. I felt like it's more like the chopped up stuff. It almost gave it that, like, it's a little bit too strong of a analogy, but almost like a dual crown fork. Mm. You kind of get that, like, that solid feel, but it's not enough to me, like, this is what the future is. But I do think that there's something to be said for, like, stability when the trail is super rough. Like, I think there is something mm. in order to keep your front wheel just, like, a little more solid. Mm. There's something there. I think it's the goal. Like, yeah. But I just don't think this is it. I mean, we saw Dan Booker at the first EW, EDR. EWR EDM EDM festival running the uh, the well, yeah the Hopi the steering Hopi, damper yeah which yeah yeah like, his nuke proof which like maybe is a better version of this because yeah. it's actually like a damper as opposed to a spring and those used to be trendy I'd say I mean it was years ago early two thousands probably the Hopi dampers were kind of everywhere for a bit and so maybe and that was like a fashion yeah item. so maybe there's room for a, refi- a refined version of that or a different version mm-hmm. or no, I've, I've never even ridden one of those so I'd be curious to maybe try one of them on a just a single crown bike and see yeah. how that what it feels like yeah how about you henry you've been riding this kiss longer yeah i, I think it's all right i mean i think that if you are it's funny i was actually watching i only watched the highlights because i could be bothered to get up at god knows what time of the xc and what this does for me is when tractions tractions at premium you can actually put so much less of your weight on the front axle so you saw a bit where tom pidcock i believe slipped out in a rock garden and honestly, I've been going up climbs that have been quite steep, that kind of my traction's not been great, and trying to just put one finger on each on the handlebar and actually getting up them because there's like a stabilizer on the front wheel. Um, Where otherwise you'd be like having the front flop yeah, over on you. Yeah, you'd be having it flop and you'd have mm, to be. Okay. And so that I thought was cool, which for e-bikes might be quite good if you didn't have mm. a water bottle there on your canyon. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think it's very interesting. I think um, I felt for me, the times where it blended into the bike the most and the times where I would recognize it the least anyway. Mm-hmm. And the times where I felt if you are hitting turns really hard, like 
almost like kind of almost getting high sided kind of hard. It is it's a lot of feedback through the bars, and I think it's meant to in a bad way. In like, a bad way, it's meant it's meant to quieten the noise. Yeah, and it does that in a lot of ways. Except when it increases the noise, it is like running. It's like feedback through an amplifier. It's like a big screech and like, oh, what was that? Yeah. Um. So I'm really curious to try mm. it some more. I mean, fairness to Canyon, they've um they've actually sent two identical spectrals, save for this um for this system system. Um, both come with the um, yeah, save for the and um maybe they just call it yeah the. Yeah, the yeah. Just put an emoji. Yeah. What does Kiss stand for again? Do you remember? Uh, no. Yeah, and that's what was kind of funny. Like, I don't know if it was lost in translation, but like, obviously here in North America, Kiss is keep it simple, stupid. K S S. This system is K I S, which is I'm sure it's very clever. But in my head, I was just like, this is the opposite of keeping it simple, stupid. You know, something integrated stabilizer. Yeah. Oh, that would be it. Yeah. But I think you know, yeah. The I always say it wrong because in my head, I remember it is Norman Clotier, and that's a person, but it's Norman Clotier. Nomenclature? Nomenclature. Yeah. Nomenclature. Around, I mean, I think Canyon, their range is so expansive. Did you say you see Nomenclature? No, because I remember it as a name. I think he sounds like a 1930s tap dancer. Um, wow. <laughs> which I know he isn't. <laughs> he could be, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, That'd be a big band band name. That'd be a great band name. Nomenclature. We'll yeah. Nomenclature. Maybe yeah, not. That's true. You yeah. might have the pronunciation challenge with people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nomenclature. But um, yeah, I think I think, you know, there's a lot of terminology with canyons floating around canyons and hell, hell they might have um, complicated that. So there's a massive truck outside which you might be able to hear. Um, but anyway, on to more trends. You know, we had a little kind of a brief, brief tangent down there. There was a time where I feel, hmm, there was, I feel enduro in itself was a big fashion trend. Yeah, yes. for sure. I think be, things being enduro ready has what, waned a bit. Dario, what but we're the, into e-bike ready now. Well, yeah, but, but let's go, go back to the enduro thing what were the signifiers that somebody was on trend and fashionable when they were enduro ready goggles and a half shell goggles and a half shell i think was key backpack Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff strapped to the bike what 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 big knee pads big knee pads um i think like shoes that don't have laces bananas Oh, yeah, you need an enduro banana. That was pretty trendy. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely just strapping things to the bike and then the goggles and the half shells, like, which is kind of weird that that became a trend. I think because the enduro, early enduro races, you weren't required to have a, a full face helmet. And yeah. some of them were, they just weren't as, as rugged. And so you could do that. And then there also was the, those early enduro races, people were bringing two helmets, which was the silliest trend. Yeah. Because, Whoa. well, yeah, there just weren't a lot of lightweight full face helmets and like full face was better for the descents, but for climbing, you wanted a different one. So you would put one I helmet on a backpack. Why you don't just take your helmet off. You weren't allowed to. You, you had to have a helmet to. at all oh, times. No way. In fact, yeah. in the first, there's a really great Matt Rag okay. article coming out soon. It's a photo epic mm-hmm. of the first ever EWS. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's saying, you know, this photo of Fabian Burrell, because he didn't have his helmet perched on top of his head and it got in trouble. But the problem was, I always used to think with that is the sort of uh, half shell on a backpack was basically a massive fulcrum. <laughs> To do yourself some serious damage, you know? Yeah, it wasn't, it was a strange, strange trend. I'm glad that has been sorted out. And, but, you know, it's just like, but I guess full face helmets. And then came the detachable helmets, which I think they were trying to solve that issue. And I think we've kind of moved past detachable helmets in a large extent, but that was a trend for sure. Detachable, I mean, they still exist, but I think you don't see, when they came out, I think a lot of people were like, this is the best of both worlds. And they tried and were like, I'd rather have one or the other, you know? Why do you think that is it? When, where are you on your journey? Obviously, we review all sorts of kit. Um, What helmet? I go, Kaz, then I'll come to you, Dario. What helmet do you spend most of your time in? You, why don't you ride with a heavier full-face helmet? 
Yeah. Yeah. Most of the, most of these days I'm in a typical trail helmet, like maybe a little more extended coverage, but it's your normal, I and think you, what a lot of people predict. You have got your Oakleys on. Yeah. <laughs> My Oakleys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, no. Um, well, goofy sunglasses I use for just driving in general life. I like goofy sunglasses for that, but for bike riding, I just go clear lenses because where we live, there's trees and I can't see if I have any tint to my lenses. So, but there's that, but yeah, for helmet wise, it's pretty much just a normal half shell helmet. Um, and then full faces I reserve for like an enduro race or the bike park. Um, and that's just kind of like personal preference. And I think it kind of has to do with what your riding buddies are wearing too, to a certain extent. Like I don't let that dictate my choices, but like we've been, all the trails we ride, they tend to be pretty hard, but we've been uh, riding some gnarly stuff today. Yeah. We are not under the, you know, under the watch for lie of a race regulator, why aren't we taking our helmets off on the climbs? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't like that either just because I don't like stashing it anywhere. So I think yeah. for my rides, I like to roll out the door, be wearing pretty much the same thing, do the whole ride, except for my knee pads. I slide those down on the climbs. We'll, we'll get, get into that in a bit. I know. Faux pas. Faux pas. <laughs> but I like to just be able to like have my helmet on and just don't fuss with it because I do know people take them off for big, hot climbs. But like, even the other day, I was on a fire road climb. It was a million degrees. I took my helmet off just to see, and then I just got annoyed with trying to stash it somewhere. So I just mm. wear my helmet. All there the time. are some pretty cool clips now you can get to go around your steerer tube. Yeah, which actually I just keep it on. It's I've never, never used one. But I, I have one. It does. It works okay. It works it's okay. meant more for a full face, I think. Well, that's what I mean. But yeah, for for a full face. For oh a, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about half I think that's like. Oh, a, yeah. Why did Why didn't we wear? lightweight full face helmets because i mm. because sorry I, I think there's a different i wrote an article um which I, I think most people got the point but i was basically saying you know with the enduro lightweight helmets i'm not saying that if you're prepared if you want to ride in a half shell and you think oh i'll have the extra protection of one of those that's a bad thing because obviously it's not but what i was saying is that a lot of the time i see people like riding in bike parks with those and they aren't the same actually as a full downhill helmet yeah i mean um, yeah they meet no. the certifications but they're definitely not as crash resistant yeah like I I, i've ridden whistler bike park in like the troy lee stage which is like their lightest most minimal full face and realized later that that's like not even remotely the same as wearing but, a downhill but helmet would, would they not be good for riding I'm just playing. Yeah, they, I think they there. would be good for riding trail. Well, because you see we're that a lot of gnarly yeah. stuff today, and if any of us had gone over, out the front door, it could have been real bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think plenty of this speaks to the fashion aspect. Like as Mike said, like in Bellingham, you almost never see people wearing full faces. Like I have one riding buddy who wears a convertible helmet, and I don't know anyone else who wears a full face unless they're shuttling. I think part of it is purely comfort. Like full faces are just hotter. There's a lot more pressing on your head. The noise aspect is challenging. Um, for me, it's really just like convenience of a half shell. Like I can put food and water in my mouth pretty easily. Yep. I'm not like, and this is a stupid opinion, but I'm not like completely convinced that a full face is like arm and a leg safer than a half shell for most crashes. Mm-hmm. Like rotational impact stuff has gotten pretty good in all helmets. So I think... It helps. Like if you're landing square on your face, obviously, yes, full face is going to be better. But then, like having a neck protector is also better. Yeah, but then a neck protector, you need your full face with it, and that, like there's so many things right. that. Yeah, I think it's just. I think the key is just to find the thing that's most comfortable and that you're going to use all the time. So, like for me, yeah. but like yeah, I don't have anything. I also don't judge at all. Like I'm not going to sell someone 
oh, you look silly because you weren't a full face. Like that's not my, so you know, true. which I hate when people try to like mm-hmm. disparage someone, you know, because you, you do sometimes see people wearing tons of safety gear and which is fine. Like well, it, you, they might look right. at a place, but that's okay. Like I'm not going to tell them to go home because you're But if they safe. were like riding around in 2002, they'd yeah, look exactly. cool as well, hell. You know, this last year when I was working on the season, I, um, it's funny. <laughs> I ended up, you know, doing various ride days with like World Cup riders and they all wore so much protection compared to my, me and my friends. And it was quite like they were there, spine boards, elbow pads. And is that requir- but isn't isn't that required at some courses now? Like, is it some? But I'm talking like you know, go to a bike park for a weekend. Oh no! And way. they put an elbow okay. pads. They were just like, yeah, because losing all the skin on your elbow sucks. Oh really? Because I don't think I, I feel like World Cup people don't wear a ton of protection typically. But I think it's because they they're wearing such skinny clothes. I think oh, they yeah. don't look like they're wearing a ton. But like, I think if you looked at like whatever screen grab of like a lot of World Cup races, they're wearing like really thin D three O elbow pads back chest protector most of them but even like when we're training days um and this wasn't just pink bike racing because oftentimes you know you'd be at a place where there'd be lots of people testing on the same hill because of the way the calendar lines up and most of them would be in elbow pads and spine protectors and then there'd be like me and my friends being like oh yeah just t-shirt and you know some like thin yeah. trail knee pads and actually give me a bit of thinking when I, I actually that's what i quite like about the roost guards which i think are kind of interesting because they're made for rocks being flicked up and hitting you they're not necessarily made for oh, like the, chest the, protector. the chest protector roost guard things but i quite like them because you can take them off on the uplift super yeah. easy if it's hot. yeah I, yeah i started wearing a thin like i have a thin d3o back protector that i wear it's almost just like a like a, a vest style underneath what, what brand is it i think it's a fox one is one that I, wear like, that I just wear at the bike park oh um, that's smart but yeah but like as i don't i hate elbow pads and i don't wear them ever so i don't do that but uh yeah i'm willing to accept that risk but i do find like I've had a back, I've had multiple back injuries at this point. So it's like in the bike park, if I found, I finally found something light enough and like, how is your salsa dancing coming along? My what? Your salsa dancing. Salsa dancing. Yeah. Good. It's good. Great. Yeah. Cause I'm, salsa. Yeah. Salsa. <laughs> I'm a salsa dancer. Cool? I tried to actually ah, learn when I was salsa. in South America. It was not. It was no, not yeah. They had a British. To, it turns out you need a little thing called rhythm, which I don't have. Oh yeah. They come back yeah. to. Oh. No, my salsa dancing. Yeah. My back injury didn't affect my salsa dancing. <laughs> it's the tango with the best of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, so, but but yeah, I would say like as far as trends go, it is nice that we're in a good place where there's a lot of lightweight protection that like it's not as noticeable as the I'll old say, days. I think it's I think it's a super. I'm gonna use the word douchey trend, go but on. the the kids at the bike park wearing pants, no shirt, and just a roost guard. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty. Silly. I think it's like I think it's like a really like that's like a cool guy move. Like it's, you're like you're like in a Mad Max movie kind of thing. Like I could like throw a can of gasoline at you and you might fight <laughs> me. But the. I, I think it's insufferable, but also cool. But it's, remember, the, there was a big phase of, um, and maybe this bit would be singlets or what you I don't know what we call them over here, like bibs, like like a, a like a vest. Okay, I think I think like, the a, like a zip-up vest, like the kind of thing that Bruce Willis would wear. I don't want to say that we all know <laughs> what it is. It's called basically the oh, unfair oh, name would be. The word that I don't want to say. Oh, uh, like a, a wife beater is what you're yeah, implying. Thank you, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to say it. It's what people know <laughs> them as. Yeah, it's, because it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a white... We call it tank top here. 2023. Tank top. Tank top. I mean, thank you. Yeah. But I think the implication isn't that it's okay to do the activity. The implication is that people who wear those might do such a thing. I mean, are we accusing Bruce Willis of anything? No, no, no. He seems like a... F- <laughs> he's, a he's a family man. He's a fine guy. <laughs> no, and, and I, yeah, I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm just... Yeah, that is the colloquial term. Used the colloquial term, which is... In yeah. the great US of A. Um, but there was a phase of people wearing a tank top. Yeah, an undershirt. A, an undershirt. Under tank. An under tank. And a, like, neck brace and a full face helmet. Oh, yeah. 
That was a wild time. Wearing a gold chain. <laughs> oh yeah, and also like some maybe like yeah, some big baggy like what were those? Some Not the rings. sprint short. Maybe the sprint short from Troy Lee that made like fire retardant material. Yeah, well, yeah, because originally when people when there weren't good lightweight pants, people were just wearing the straight up moto pants that weighed four hundred pounds. They had like the reinforced knee, like leather yeah. knees, and that was ridiculous. Well, I yeah. don't know why. No, talking of you know um, rotational systems and slip planes, I don't know why no clothing manufacturers come out and looked at the rotational forces put on knees when you have a, a trouser compared to shorts. Mm-hmm. Because with a knee pad, when less, if they can mix, it oh, it's way less, better. It's way better, and your pad doesn't get moved. I feel for yeah. it hits when you get really thrown. And listen, if if anyone has listened past the <laughs> bit, we started bagging on all the clothing companies. Someone should do that. That's a interesting thing, I think. Yeah, I agree. And the way it integrates with a knee pad, you know. But hey, yeah. Um. So, what does fashion in Bellingham look like? Black, tie dyed. There's two, there's two schools. The most like, opposite answers. Uh-huh. What? There's two schools. There's two schools. Yeah, it's black or tie dye. Yeah, exactly. Like there's the I would be in the black clothing side of things. Or like two schools here. Are you the tie dye? I'm on the tie dye. Yeah. But like not hardcore tie dye. I don't wear like we have like a cool brand in town called Wild Style, right? I think this guy like, makes yeah. like tie dye mountain bike jerseys. And those are very popular because they're cool. I just don't like jerseys that much. So I'm more on the like weird t shirts program and like if I had my way, I would just wear like cut off shorts, but they get really sweaty and wet. Yeah, but I'd say Bellingham fashion is pretty low key. Like it's there is like fashion people are trying a little bit, but not as hard as they're trying in other places. Like what where we are, are right the, now. What are these places? <laughs> like this place we are right now. The, the, place where, the place where we are right now, I would say, is a distinctly try hard. I try real hard. I actually we saw a lot of people on the trail today. I'm going to continue on my little Please. Squamish tangent for a bit. I don't know, like. Anyone from Squamish listening? Can you just say hi when you pass? Say us? hi. Just nod and say hi. I say hi. I said hi to. 30 people today like we just I got two responses yeah oh yeah they just give us a look because like we were stopped by the side of the trail on our bikes trying to be friendly and they just like zoom by on their e-bikes they're probably paid off by vital they must have been they are, <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> like hey we need you to ice out those pink bike yeah. guys and make think, them feel weird yeah i mean i well yeah but back to the fashion people try a lot harder here i feel like it's because a lot it's, of matching kit i think when you're in a resort like this in the resort town but it has that feel sometimes kind of like whistler when you go or any ski area you go to there's a mix of people that are kind of like your your how do you say like locals versus the people that are visiting that want to look like fit in i'm trying to it's like not dig to, myself too much of a hole but like just dig away but like the no, tor- when like you go to when a tourist to- tourists tend to stand out at a like a ski town so there's always the people that try to not look like a tourist and they end up overcompensating and they get like the as if they went into rei and bought the first thing they saw or mac or whatever your local like um i think the big is. thing is like full matching set yeah. is like tell it's telling of someone who like maybe doesn't do the thing a ton or is like so pro they it's they, a bell curve yeah yeah it's a bell curve. yeah if you're wearing the head to toe matching like pajama outfit like i mentioned before you need to be able to do like a double backflip on the like whenever yeah but it's funny you know i mean i think fashion if we look at, I mean, fashion and what it extends to and the trends, like there are fashionable riding spots as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Like actually, um, I'm a diamond head boy through and through. You I, really are. I rode, at, I rode at this new local only spot. It's kind of blown up recently called, I think Alice, Alice Puddles or something. Mm, yeah, it could mm. be. Which it sounds like a grunge band, a grunge super group from the 90s of one great band and one super band. Um, maybe with such hits as like, you know, don't you take my box away. 
but actually it's a hip-hop riding spot with slabs and more slabs and occasional turns and it's actually not as bad as i thought yeah it's all right it's pretty um, fun it turns out yeah but I, for those um, who don't know uh, henry is describing the very popular and distinct riding area alice lakes in yeah. Swamish, and it's actually, which is it's amazing actually, it's actually and pretty well, the reason people the, come here well the problem was yeah. every time i'd ridden there before i'd gone on group rides mm. yeah and it was just it was always shit i've ridden there three's, three's a party yeah three's a party do you know what the problem is group rides at alice lakes mm. people start jibbing uh, and it's like i'm a 30 year old man everyone stop what you're doing and watch fuck me honestly i was just there like one of us is getting drowned in the lake and it might just be me i was gonna just jump in like this is awful wait like yeah. jibbing like they not just like hey, along hey the trail guys, they have to like stop let me see if i can get over this rock you don't mind waiting yeah i do yeah oh god yeah. i'm no, all for like sessioning no. a feature but like I don't like making everyone stop to watch oh, you the pain, accomplish a small the pain thing. pain of this. I'm just, my yeah. poor life is just so difficult. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. But back to your like talking about trendy areas. It's funny. I think this is a social media uh, phenomenon, but like they're, especially around here because there's such a high level of riding uh, personality one person will post up a clip of doing some move then the next person has to post it up then the next person has to do like a nose manual into it and then the next person has to go and, and like, switch are and you then talking like, about some kind of rock roll in squamish the rock roll that goes Just into like a parking be. lot like or whatever it goes there's the one the one we did well, first the transfer and then someone oh, else claims well, yeah, they did there's, it first, the, there's then, the garanga transfer oh yeah i've seen five thousand clips of that i need to see garanga impressive it's very impressive there's the 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 roll over the house sound Yep. That leads to like the cliff edge. You ride along the cliff edge, and then you have to hike your bike a quarter mile back up the slab that you just rode think down. Think of the views, man. Yeah. And think of the YouTube views. How yeah. else are you going to get 15 year olds to give a fuck about what you do? Because apparently that's really important. Yeah. And then last year, I was trying to ride the chief from like different points eventually. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it's fine. I understand I mean, how it works to be like, to be a, fair, like an influencer. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, they're just getting kids on Instagram. We're getting, yeah. let's face it. It's like the older demographic on Pink Bike. If you're yeah, to all the kids out there listening to the Pink Bike podcast, you're going to grow up to be real cool. Don't yeah, worry. You're doing, it, you're doing it right. You'll get through high school. Yeah. There's some tough years yeah, ahead. Yeah. It'll be it all right. gets better. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. But it is funny just to see... <laughs> it is funny to see spots get popular like that just because of social media, which I get because like, you know, people see a clip be get all the likes and like, I want to do that. I can do that. I know where it is. Here, I'm doing it. So, I don't know. I, I just was, like the idea of it like applying to fashion where it's mm -hmm. like... Whatever, like Romeo Vitalia comes out wearing a three-piece suit, and then Yoan Borelli comes out wearing a three-piece suit and a top hat, and then <laughs> Matt Bolt's coming out wearing a three-piece suit, a top hat, and like a coat with yeah, yeah. a cape coming off yeah. of it. But it's funny, much like that, it's funny how much personality can transcend fashion, though. Because Yoan Borelli could do whatever he wanted, and I would never think he was doing it, because I, I don't know him particularly well. I've only met him a couple of times. He's always a nice chap. Um, but his personality and on-screen presence... It sounds kind of lame, but it feels so pure that you feel like he's actually, he's actually like in tangent or parallel to fashion, mm. and actually he's kind of just complimenting it and being like along for the ride and not necessarily that, like, being so excited it. somehow like yeah. transcends the fashion yeah, it line. It, it weirdly does. But sure. another one, of course, is is the Pemby train gap, mm -hmm. yeah. Which um, mm. is funny because you know there is a bit of a joke. Well, normally what happens is, imagine there's like um like a lottery, right? And it's all the pink bike filmers finding out who they're going to film with. And there's this one guy called Tom Richards who is an incredibly good filmer. 
and every week he has to film with old muggins over here and watch me <laughs> understeer through turns in patchy light and it's amazing <laughs> that he's persevered but he's an amazing rider and he at the Pemby train gap but he's super modest he was like are yeah, you just, um, yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, just... Um, <laughs> what? He, he does loads of gnarly stuff, man. Yeah, he he's a good rider, but he won't tell you. Yeah, he's a sleeper. Honestly, man, what? like, yeah. he's been to Mars and stuff. <laughs> he, um, he went back in time and... Um, I'm, I was about to say something that might make a bad joke. But yeah, he's done He's done some gnarly stuff. Absolute shreds. Wow. And I yeah. think that's one thing you kind of learn as... I respect Tom Richards. That's yeah. really cool. But I, I think you didn't tell me about that. <laughs> no, yeah. Max Barron won a national title at BMX. That I know. Yeah. How was that? Cool. They're better riders than us. The yeah. videographers. No, it's good. But <laughs> I think that's the thing. Sorry, one last thing. Yeah, go. Stefan, who's the other videographer, today we came into this rock move that's pretty sketchy. Mm-hmm. And it's a quite a gradient. And he was on like this patch of grippy rock. And he was just trials hopping backwards up the rock to get him yeah, more space. Yeah, like a better run in. Think of a better run in. I was just like... Well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the nice things about being around here is there's not really a lot of room for attitude. Like if you do have attitude about your riding or think you're the best, you're probably not. Well, I thought I was the best for two days. Yeah. I um, I just want to apologize to both Jesse Melamed and Richie Rude. I sent some Instagram messages that I regret. <laughs> and if to you that did, group of Devo riders in the woods <laughs> that you yelled at. And yeah. if you did turn up at Pseudo Pseudo at dawn this morning, like I suggested, <laughs> I got scared and I didn't come there. But I learned to corner the other day and I was under the illusion, the del- delusion for 48 hours that I never said the world, but I was pretty confident North America was mine. I thought yeah. I was number one. You took it over. I, yeah, it went. Yeah. It was, it was a brief fling with cornering. Yeah. But it's gone now and it's gone forever. Yeah. I mean, that's my thing. I, I think my favorite riders are the ones that you don't see on social media, but then you happen to ride with them or catch a glimpse and they do something that they think is normal, but is not normal. They're riding at another level. Two words, Nate Spitz. Mm-hmm. Do you follow him? Yeah. On social media, on social but media. deservedly so. Yeah. Was I was that? showing him that, that gap at the bottom of the donut today. Yeah. It was a Spitz thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's talented. Very talented. And rides like a relatively small bike compared to his peers. Like he's, he's riding like a smash. Mm-hmm. Versus everyone else is on their like big ass super enduro bike. Oh, okay. What? How much travel is the smash? Like one fifty. I mean, this doesn't matter. This yeah. is some nerd shit. But okay. he's a really good rider. He's a very, very. My very point good being that he's like very talented. He did this. It's really silly, but there was a video recently that he put out just hooning around Squamish, and for those that know, you will see him ride the midsection of ditch pick and get this clean inside line that looks like nothing in the video, but actually just getting there is like oh fair play. Mm. Not, not. I mean, holding it. I think it's holding it would be pretty keen, but just getting there to hold it in the first place. I was like, wow, fair play. That it's was telling too. Good. Like, there was a video from a while back of like Yon Brelli and uh, Remy Metallier and all the like big famous dudes riding intestinal fortitude. And you know how there's that like. Have you ridden that trail? I'm no in your, in your new found love for Alice Lakes. No, I haven't. No, I've only ridden like. So there's like these. a there's like a nine ten foot, perfectly flat drop Ooh. above a really long slab that's quite oh. steep, and they had, they were like talking about the potential of it being rideable, and then he rolls up on like a casual after work ride, hits it rides it out and just disappears into the woods. <laughs> that, yeah. that is the cool thing. Yeah, that's like, cool. That will never go out of fashion. Yep, exactly. Just like the sleeper, super talented people that don't spray a lot. You know, like it's obviously social media and the, the world's different now, but yeah, I have a lot of time for people that are just insanely talented riders and don't tell you every single time you see them. But Kaz, how do you levy that? You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's not a pun, but how do you reconcile that with the fact that we all review mountain bikes mm-hmm. and we make a big deal of it? 
We not, spray hard. We spray. Do you think we spray hard? I try not to spray hard. No, I don't like. I try not to, but but I mean, I think any writer to an extent. I mean, writer is probably a damning indictment in itself. But is it possible to not have elements of narcissism and be a writer on the internet? Oh, probably not. You need a little bit of narcissism, but I think at least because I've got we a kind lot of talked of about. I, you have, yeah, <laughs> no, no, we, no. Tempt, I try to temper I'm yours. Right. I'm not <laughs> yeah. that bad. I'm no, kind of like, bad. we kind of talked about this. A lot. <laughs> we talked about this in the last podcast, but like. I mean, we do our jobs. We also have experience and like we've been doing it for a long time yeah. or if we haven't done it a long time, we're getting up to speed really quickly. So yeah, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too deep, but I think it's, um, I don't know. I think experience. Well, I'm talking more, more about the human condition as much as anything because I think- Say more. <laughs> yeah, the human condition as a as a mountain bike reviewer. I don't know if you've really considered what I mean this is much. That, like, I think that in more, you know, media media is, is changing. Um, we're not going to have jobs in a couple of years thanks to AI. I want to become a TikTok star. But yeah, but we like, so- us at Pink Bike, we're like, oh, Instagrammers, nerds. But no, no, no. I think not that no, far no, away. I, no, I just think it's you can see the the trend chasing happen quicker because of social media. Mm. Not that it wouldn't have happened before. It did happen before. Like back in even the New World Disorder days. Like I remember when stuff was getting built up in Pemberton. Like a, a new move would get built. Somebody would poach it and film it before someone else had gotten to, to ride it. And it'd be this huge drama. And then like all the free riders would complain and do things. like Yeah, I mean like the Pemby train gap is a great example like mm-hmm. been around for a long time tons of people have hit it but then like caleb polanco flipped it yeah and that's like a huge step up in the thing mm-hmm. yeah so i mean i think we just see it more on instagram it's a little more transparent when people are trying to to leverage their riding skill for a career which is great like if you yeah, can pull it off them. like that's amazing like all these people we've mentioned they are all great riders like if they're making a living off it that's great i don't want to take that away from them but i think you do see the the trends are a little more clearly illustrated because of social media because yeah. you can scroll and you see the same move over and over, but just different people. It's doing also it. way easier to catch clips. Yeah. Like with the iPhone and Instagram now, like before you had to make you had to bring out your like GX 100, 1000, you know, make a film. Yeah. Edit it, post it somewhere, get people to watch it. Or even like, I like, got a good example, the white line in Sedona. So the white line, most mountain bikers have probably heard of it because it's on YouTube five gazillion times. Like, this is the most dangerous trail ever. People die here, which, yeah, you could die here. But, like, you're basically just riding. I haven't ridden it for the record because I've only been. Because you scared. I am. I, there's no point. Because <laughs> it's, it's, like, it, it's like an feel, inherently barely technical move. Yeah. But for no for no but reason. Like, I would feel risk. like an idiot if I died riding it. Yeah, yeah. That's I, the thing. I, like, I, I, I feel like an idiot if I, like, like even, like, bobbled riding it. Yeah. But basically, like, I've walked out it one day. But you just, it's side hill it's super exposed. If you go one direction, you go down a little bit and you go back. Like I'm confident I could ride it. And if we were there, whatever. But yeah. the point is it's because it's so exposed and so dangerous, that element of danger, everyone wants to try it. And then they put it on YouTube and then it gets trendy because someone else did it. And it's like this whole There's, game yeah. of like, who can do the white line. Someone's done it very fast that we've talked about already, but it's like a thing that I don't know what, how I, it's just like, it's funny to see it used as clickbait, like a mountain bike trailer move used purely as clickbait. For yes, sure. it's true. I mean, you're totally right. I mean, I think the way that, yeah, again, media sounds such a massive term for the things that we do, but it's, yeah, it is the right term. Media, it's funny. I loved the um, the sort of. You can call it back- hard-hitting journalism instead. Man, it's hard-hitting. You should wait for some of the reviews I've got cooking. <laughs> <laughs> no, um. You know, like the backlash, which was to the what was the established tone of the time, coming up with that fifty to one vibe, that sort of dad cam sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then the backlash to the backlash, which is took five years in the boom, but everyone's like, "Can we just get something in focus?" For yeah. once? Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but for a time, that was huge. Like, yeah. and there's some people that did it better than others, but I mean, 
I think there are obviously some people that were actually very good filmographers that happened to do sort of like more kind of fire from the hip sort of stuff like Tommy Caldwell did some he's done mm-hmm. some really good serious stuff but some of those shred it's like just yeah. amazing but I think by the time it maybe got to like the 17th slice of British pie I think maybe it's sort of yeah yeah it's, it's, it's a, a good trend formula, yeah there's probably point. we could probably even do a whole nother podcast on media and filming styles and maybe get the filmers in here but yeah I think yeah. there is just the formula changes a little bit, you know? So like, yeah, there was the 50 to one era. I'd almost say like they're still putting stuff out, but I don't think it's got the same appeal. Cause when that came out, it was kind of a backlash against the super overproduced, mm-hmm. same exact formula. Yeah. We saw I, it oh, so many times. I will say I did I watch the most recent like content and deliver content and deliverance. I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a 45 minute 50 to one thing. It was great. Yeah. Like, I like what they're doing, but I like, feel like I've seen it before. Cool. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's just cool to watch people ride their bikes really well. Yeah. And like they're doing that still. Craig Evans. He's yeah. a talent. He's a low key yeah. dude. Who I have fits. time to watch his stuff. Oh, so especially the rock it. weird things he does. Yeah. And this has a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. Super humble guy. I used to work with the guys um, in a bike shop in Queenstown. The, a couple of them have gone on to work for Airdrop. And um, they were, remember talking when they, Craig was signing, they were just saying, like, it's mad to think that we're actually going to get like an athlete. Because they didn't have, they didn't have. They, I mean, they help mm-hmm. people out with frames, and they're, right. and they're like, yeah. they're really a company that sounds really lame, but they really do want people just to have a nice time on bikes and ride the bikes that they would ride, and um, they were just like, it's crazy, we're actually going to have an athlete, yeah, and it's such a cool guy as well. Yeah. And I thought, I know that something. It sounds a bit silly, but I just thought it was like, it's a really cool milestone for them as a brand, like mm-hmm. our first paid rider yeah you know yeah i guess we're talking about like low-key shredders we'll get back to trendy pants soon but like you mentioned you ran into hannah bergman the other day up yeah. here yeah she's bellingham local and another person that's like kind of flies a little under the radar but i'm not sure where you'd place her in like the the pretty, scale I'd of say pretty famous now yeah but like she she's someone with like no attitude and so humble until she rides and then it's just insane like the the yeah. calm that she has and then just like ticks off a line like oh yeah i can do that done you're like oh yeah okay i'm gonna walk around like it's it's yeah, super yeah, cool like to see stuff. yeah so it's cool to see someone that's like just like humble and then just moving up in the world like you know she has a, she's a red bull athlete now but it's like cool to see him start from just like a regular rider and just is progress. she bellingham local like she's not from bellingham or? originally no but she's been there for a number of years i think she's from uh she's from oregon oh, okay yeah uh, oregon that's all that's watched it's a, a different state down the the road. yeah uh-huh. mm-hmm, a couple of, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Man, it's Oregon. Sorry, I'm gonna go. Attention. Oregon's the big tree farm just south of Bellingham. Is that yeah. where Oregano comes from? Oregano. Oregano. No. Yeah, it's a big Sorry, oregano what? farm. <laughs> oregano. Oregano. No, Do you, you don't. Okay. Oh, no, you so don't. you're you're at a grocery store. Honestly, in, you don't in, have to pronounce every letter and every word. Honestly, <laughs> some of the words you hear. In the you English did language. too. You just pronounced them all wrong. <laughs> oregano is oregano. Oregano. What? Oregano. Well, I I will say when I grew up on the East Coast, so in Connecticut, when you're a kid and you go to school, they teach you the states and they tell you it's Oregon. Like we played this video game called oh, Oregon sure. Trail. That is a character of Star Wars. Yeah, but just when you move, and then I moved to Colorado for college, and they're like, Oregon? No, it's Oregon. I was like, what do you mean? No, it's Oregon. Oregon. They taught me this in school. Hold on. So it's Oregano, Oregon, Oregano. It's Oregano. Why do you call it, why do you call it Oregon? Oregon. <laughs> if it's, if it's, if oregano, it's, Oregon. Yeah, but this is the same. Oregano. You know, do you know like potato, potato. It's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the English language is not a. Perfect we gave thing. you such a nice language, and you guys really fucked it up. I, like, <laughs> I actually, I listened to a very interesting uh, podcast recently that wasn't our own. Um, there were others about the English language and its use amongst non-native English speakers, and how it's 
easy for people who are not like first language English speakers to understand other non first language English speakers. But as soon as a Brit or an American comes into the equation, it's out the door because we use so many weird, like messed up little habits that we've developed in the language. Absolutely. So let's just take a quick pause. Idiom out the door before we, uh, before we come back in and I'll tell you a funny story. You know, when Tom Richards and I started working together, we realized we could talk in not even like niche, like weird slang, but in like normal British phrases and no one would have a bloody clue what we were talking about. Anyway, I, I listened to this, um, there's a guy called Henning Vane, who's a uh, German comedian who works in, in Britain. Very, very funny man. And he did this really good, I think it's probably still on iPlayer or whatever it is, BBC Sounds. Um, really good thing where he was talking about the differences and how how codified a lot of English languages to, to, to British people. Like, we'll say, wow, that's so interesting, which means stop talking for the love of God, stop talking, please no more, no more, no more. Right. Or if you said, hey, Henry, do you want to get a coffee? I'd say, yeah, we could, which is me saying, no, no think of an alternative. Right. But, like, I think, you know, I've lived Right, if you say that to a German, they'd be like, yes, we could, would you like to? Yeah, and I'd be like, we could, and they'd be like, okay, we will. Yes, we, like, then we mm. will, then we may, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, have got friends from all over the place, yada, yada, yada. And um, it's funny how trying to, I'm trying to be more aware of that because British is, and also like a lot of British humor is really codified and very silly. And I think people think often think I'm a bit, a bit mad over here. I think, I think I'm yeah. not that eccentric in Britain, but I think you guys think I'm absolutely off my rocker. I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Yeah. I'm still just going with like your relative of Russell Brand. Like in my head, you guys are just really <laughs> similar. I'm like, all right, this is just how it is. Well, honestly, <laughs> like I'm not like here. You, spe- you speak an analogy more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, eh? And you have, yeah. like an ability to, like, it seems as though you have an easier time describing things in analogy than in like practical terms. You're probably very right, which but is that, impressive. Well, like, because that's some five D chess that you're playing. Yeah, but because British people were very direct at being indirect. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and um, and so that's I think that's how like how like how I grew up talking, how my family talks, and how I let my friends talk. And there's a guy called Ben Hildred. He's, he's an amazing writer. Does like big endurance rides. Big and um, we talk, you know, probably two, three times a week. We're, I don't know, he's one, he's one of my closest friends. And I think people think he's a bit eccentric, but to each other, we just, I don't know. I think, I think obviously there are a lot of people in Britain that aren't, but coming over here, I feel like I'm absolutely mad. And I just say things that I don't think, uh, like I only found out I was eccentric when I moved to Canada. Uh, people started telling me and I was like, I never knew. But you also moved to Squamish. Like if you moved to Vancouver, you might be more like. Totally. Yeah, you know, yeah. pee in a pod situation. Yeah, it's very true. But Levy told me I was eccentric. I was like, Levy, mm. bit rich. Yeah. That man is bit rich. <laughs> deeply eccentric. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of our eccentricities, let's talk a bit of music. So we spoke about music last mm. time and we just, we tried to give the impression that we were fleshed out three-dimensional characters, which was a bit of a lie, but we're going we're gonna to pursue that. Um, so I think through these podcasts, you know, as, as we're kind of, you know, plugging them in, we thought we'd just leave it with a couple of music suggestions. They might be an album. It might be a song. It might be a live performance on YouTube of Morrissey giving a styling rendition of something or other before you get into the problematic comment section. Um, <laughs> Kaz, have you got anything you'd like to share with the group? I do. I actually included this in the playlist last week, but I'm going to mention it because I didn't really talk about it on the last podcast. But it's Birthday by the Sugar Cubes. Mm. I don't know if you know that song, but it's Bjork. It's like her one of her early bands, maybe her earliest band. 
and it's an amazing song. You should listen to it. Headphones is pretty good or just really loud because her voice, she just hits some notes and some just bits in there are good. And the lyrics are crazy too. So Sugar Cubes, they did a song like this, this will happen, this happen, the one of the main hits and it's got the worst rap into middle eight I've ever heard in my life. It sounds like it's all ironic, but none of it is. Yeah, skip that one. Just listen to Birthday by Sugar Cubes because there's it's basically- It's got some great stuff in there. Yeah, her lyrics are pretty interesting. And do you know what? Hmm. There's a song that, you listen to that, and so I, not that I know what I'm talking about, but then go and listen to Crystalline. Like this breakcore, heavy, gnarly, mm-hmm. weird techno stuff. And yeah. you're just like, mm-hmm. this person's just got, got it. Whatever oh, yeah. it is, they've got it. Yeah, yeah. just mad creativity. Yeah. Dario? Not Bjork. Uh, very yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation is the album Takbir by the band Takbir. That's T-A-Q-B-I-R. Don't they make Motors free bikes? I don't think. Oh, so that's T-Q. Sorry. It's yeah. T-Q. <laughs> Same color. Uh, as far as I can tell, this is the only music they've released. It's a four song EP, mm-hmm. seven minutes long. So it's about as long as some songs. Yeah. Uh, it's like really fast punk music nice. from four women who are Moroccan. Uh, like, like th- there's an interesting history behind the band. I'll let people read into because I'm not going to do it justice. Like sitting in this chair, uh, really cool music, perfect punk album and a cool band. What do you think the perfect song length is? Ooh, I don't think there's a perfect song length. Because I listen, I like. No I, we all contain multitudes. Yeah, but there can't be the no perfect song. Like. Okay, no. There, I have three answers. Yeah. Uh, punk song, minute and ten seconds. Oh shit! Uh, like or like any fast music. Yeah, like Bad Brains, Brains does it perfect. Like, like a minute to five, minute to twenty. Wow! Boom! Like bah! and then you're done. Yeah. Uh, like a good psych song is six minutes long. Mm-hmm. It like builds you up. It's a bell curve. You get some crazy shit in the middle. That tapers off for the last 45 seconds and you're left with like a nice quietude at the end. I'm also on occasion down to listen to like a 15 minute jam or like a live show where there's some jamming, but I'm not going to listen to like a fish album. Yeah. Sorry, Stefan. But (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Stefan is also a, just a a wholesome man, our filmer. He, um, he plays, he shreds a guitar. He absolutely shreds. Cario, Cario, God damn it. Kaz. What's your uh, what's your perfect song length? I like this as a very easy listening now. Yeah, perfect song. I think, I mean, I'm with Dario and then I do have time for like a long, crazy drone, uh, you know, a, like a 20 minute crazy song. Yeah. But I think, yeah, ideally there's the quick punk. Yeah. There's also the song two. Dope Smoker by Sleep, which is an hour and six minutes long. Oh, heavens. And that's a good song. Yeah. yeah. That's just but it cr- feels like you're reading a book. Like yes. you sit there for a while and you listen to the things happen. Yeah, wow. exactly. But yeah, like a punk album should be less than half an hour and should have like 30 songs on it. And then, yeah, then your normal album. But like these days, I don't listen to a lot of full albums. But yeah, in that mm-hmm. like four to six minute range, I'd say is like your average, you know, indie rock-ish kind of song. Mm. I'm trying to listen to like just albums as much as I can. Ooh. I'm see, I'm from the Spotify generation. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, me too. So I'm like trying to like me. undo that. What's yeah. your perfect song like, Henry? I think for me, it's eight minutes, seven or eight minutes. Okay. A nice into it. Just breathe it in and... um I actually want to talk about something that maybe ties in quite nicely. Is I want to bring forward a new concept. Mm. The perfect half album. Oh, you're special. Oh, yeah. What's your what's your recommended album or song? Um this or is half actually album. the best half album, I think, one of the best half albums ever made is um Marks to Prove It by the Maccabees. Mm. Maccabees are sort of a indie band who basically got caught up with the 
just the reckless cardigan wearing of the mid noughties <laughs> and they it made them look silly and they did all this like sort of like teenage sort of indie pop and not that similar to sort of the kooks and this sort of thing mm-hmm. um maybe so maybe a fairer comparison would be bombay bicycle club that sort of early stuff. oh sure 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 but they matured wonderfully and mm-hmm. they went into this last album i believe no one's gonna be their last album and this sense of melancholy builds through the album mm-hmm. and the last five songs from river song onwards are absolutely sensational and the artistry is quite amazing and there's a song called World War One Portraits, which when I was op- op- laboring under illusions of grandeur, trying to break um, <laughs> the fastest known time of the north to south of New Zealand. That was a very important song to me at the time. And this has come back into my life and been a very important half album. And it's, it hasn't got the commitment of the full like 45 minutes. You just get in there for 20 minutes and you get the fuck out. And it's um it's really, really, really wonderful. Hmm. And you probably all hate it, but fuck it. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. I'll give it a listen. Yeah, I never heard <laughs> Whether of it. Whether they like it or not. Yeah. I, I might. Um, yeah, thank you for listening to another eclectic Pink Bike podcast. Um, it's been great having you guys up here in Squamish. We're up here for the Valley Bike Field Test. Where are you guys off to next? I'm heading to Whistler on Friday for opening day, which is exciting. And then probably to Pemberton for some pedaling. Are you going to Pemby? I think so. Oh, it might already be quite dry. But There's we'll some really nice hikes you can do at 4am in the freezing cold there. I'll pick <laughs> <you up>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me know if you have any cool houses to <laughs> check out. I know, just that. <laughs> I'm not gonna... <laughs> I was talking to someone about this recently and there's some elements of that story. Based long story short, I had some mushrooms. I don't know what I'm doing. I lost my mind. And basically, after that podcast, I, um, I said, hey, I'd love to um, buy these people a meal. They showed me, they, they sorted me out, you know. And so a friend of a friend we got in contact and she ended up ringing them and she said one of the reasons i was so startled we actually had a really nice conversation and i you know i sorted them out whatever and said expressed my gratitude and they were really lovely um and she said one of the reasons he's so startled is because when we came home it was actually Hall- they went to a halloween party and i don't remember this one she told me but they were dressed in police uniforms right oh, yeah it'd be scary yeah and i was like oh no and i'm yeah it could have been worse they could have been like ghouls dude it could have been a lot worse like i broke into that house it could be actual police too they could have been actual police. Although Canadian they, police are probably or like family. Americans, and then yeah. they might shoot you. Yeah. yeah, but I was, um, yeah, still obviously great, very grateful for their for their kindness. Kaz, where are you off to next? Uh, yeah, back to Bellingham for a while, and then I'll just, I mean, bike park opens soon, so it's time for a lot more Whistler trips and testing, and yeah, mostly between Canada and Washington for the near future. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, Pink Bike listeners, thank you very, very much for listening. It's been another fun podcast, and um, yeah, we will catch you next time. See you then. Wear something cool on your next ride. <laughs> <laughs>